0: Hi, everybody. As you probably know by now, season three is all about creativity and how to get it back in your life. And as I thought about this season and I was planning it out, um, I knew that I also wanted to talk about raising creative kids. As a public school teacher, I've seen kids with lots of creative energy and those who really avoided creative tasks of all kinds. So, I've asked some friends that have raised or are raising creative kids just what their secrets are, and I hope you enjoy these conversations. You're listening to the Flying Goat Farm Podcast with your host, Lisa Check. This podcast is for people who love yarn and fiber and sheep, who love to knit and crochet and maybe even felt. We will be talking about the crossroads between keeping sheep and goats, making yarn, and expressing your colorful self. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining me again for another episode in our series about creativity. Here's what's happening on the farm. So, while I'm recording this, it's the day before Thanksgiving. Um, it's one of my favorite holidays. I love doing all that cooking. Um, I love making the sweet potatoes um, and actually cranberry sauce is like my favorite thing to make. I started making that when I was probably ten maybe um and every year I try to do something a little different with it, you know, add in some different kinds of fruits or add in some nuts or make it totally raw. Or, you know, there's so many different ways that you can make cranberry sauce. And um, I just don't think Thanksgiving dinner is Thanksgiving without cranberry sauce. I think you need that, that sweet and, and tart flavor to kind of, um, get through all those rich other flavors of the gravy and the stuffing and all that kinds of stuff. Um, Other than that, it's been really cold here. So the dogs are growing in their downy undercoats and so is the cashmere that's still here. And the pullets, our youngest chickens, um, they have started laying eggs. Um, So we will be flushed with eggs for quite some time. So here's a quick review of where we've been in this mini-series on creativity. Um, it's, you know, we decided that creativity is in our human nature. Um, we need to make things with our hands and our hearts and our minds. And we, as humans, love to put our own spin on things. So what I create is going to be different from what you create. It's, but it is still part of our human nature. And that they, we talked about how in our society we have put artists and artistry as, on kind of a pedestal and how artists aren't really superheroes. We can all um, bring artistry into our lives and you can strengthen your creative and artistic skills through. Doing and practicing just like you would if you wanted to be a good basketball player, you would go out and practice, or if you wanted to um, be a good um, archer, you would take your bow and arrow and go out and practice. Same with creative and artistic skills, we need to practice. And so, in that vein, I have given you um, exercises during each of these episodes, and I hope you guys are doing them. I am, and I'm having a great time um, having that little creative daily practice that I've been building up. And, of course, at the end of this episode, there will be another exercise. So today I am talking with um, Dallas Davidson. She and I have been friends and collaborators for several years now. She's the owner and founder of Flying no, that's me. I'm flying, flying Goat Farm. She's the owner and founder of Dancing Leaf uh, Dye Works. And um, she and I have been collaborating with the Fiber Art Studio Tour for, I, I think we're in like our fourth or fifth year now, um, which is kind of exciting. Um, we've also, I've also talked to Dallas before on the podcast. We talked in season two, episode 10, about Work-life balance and being a solopreneur and all that—that um, that, all that that means in our lives. And so today we're talking about raising creative boys and how our families support creativity and even how one of her sons developed an awesome community project um, that is that you can still see on the web. There will be links um, in the show notes and at the end of the podcast. So, I'm going to get this started, and here we go. Okay, so, hi Dallas, how are you doing today? Good, I'm doing great now, yeah. Good.
1: It's November day. It is really chilly outside, yeah. But, you know, it is November, so gotta expect it. That's true. Did you go out and do any uh, biking or hiking today? Today I may go later for a hike, but I'm making soup right now. And then I have friends coming over, and we're going to make candles. Oh, fun! So you're being very creative today. (laughs) Me too. I'm making my landscapes and uh, doing all sorts of things. So, getting ready for studio tour. Good, good. So I think everybody,
0: all the four or five people that I asked, we all think that creativity is innate in kids that they, you know, they are curious about things. They want to, you know, make things with their hands, use their hands and um, investigate the environment. Um, But it also needs to be fostered. Right. Yes.
1: Yeah. um, Yeah. Because it can get squelched. I taught um, an art class to elementary school kids back when my kids were in elementary school a long time ago and there was a book I read and I meant to look it up and I can't remember the name of it but um I kind of went by their program and their guidelines and one thing that uh, I really remember about it is that at about the age of eight um they were you know they would just draw and paint and color kind of willy-nilly and it was just it was just because they loved doing it but At around eight, um, their friends would look at it and go, well, that's not the color of that. That's not, that's not how that's supposed to look. And so if they had one or two criticisms, it would just shut them down and they, they would just, they would quit and they may never take it up again. Or uh, they just thought, well, okay, I'm not an artist. Then I'll do something else. Um, So that's, where you say it's just innate in children, but once they feel self-conscious about it, then they, they give it up. I think that people that are more self-confident and they feel like they really, really need it. uh, Then I think that they go on and continue or if they get a lot of encouragement. Right. And, and, and just being, you know,
0: not, uh, being judgmental about what your kids are doing or making, or um, this morning I was talking to Kirsten and she was saying like, you know, don't, don't rush in and say, Oh, I can help you with that. Because again, that's going to take away some of that independence and um,
1: and make the child think that they don't know what they're doing. Right. Right. That that's not their voice that they're putting on paper or right whatever medium they're working with and right. it's, to work alongside them and say you have a still life or just anything that you're both uh, painting or drawing, they may look at yours and for guidance, but you really can't tell them that what, what to do. Right. So just being a role model and, and doing side
0: by side things is a really good idea. Mm-hmm. There's a good book, and I was just thinking that do I still have it? There? A kid's book. It's that it, it talks just exactly about what you're saying about the, you know the the lack of confidence and somebody coming up and saying, um, you know, what is that? And the book's called Ish. I S H, and it's about a kid who is you know drawing and just having this fantastic time, and you know his older brother comes in and says, "What is that?" And um, and so after that, everything he, he draws, he balls up and throws it away. And then the little sister comes and starts uh, taking those out of the trash and putting them up in a gallery in her room. And um, she convinces him that that's base-ish, right, or house-ish. And he builds that confidence up again. It's really lovely.
1: Well, that sounds really nice. Is it a
0: children's book? It's a children's book, yeah. Um, I'll put a link to it in, oh, let's see, here it is.
1: Oh, nice.
0: Yeah. It's really a cool book. So, um, yeah, I, I, on one of my, uh, Thursday thread things, I read it. Um, I did a little book reading. It was fun. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) so you were saying that you, um, one of your sons would, um, just like sit and, you know, lay down on the floor and just draw all the time. And that was like the way that you could recognize that he was, you know, fostering or he was growing his creative
1: spirit there. Yeah, he's my true artist. he he would lie on the floor, even at two years old, he'd lie flat out on his stomach and he'd be like this. Like that. (laughs) And just total concentration. And he would always ask for art supplies for his birthday or for Christmas. And, of course, I would get him lots of those. Uh, and now he has a, a daughter who's just one year old, and she is doing the same thing. She stuck her tongue out like that. And he sent me a picture the other day and said, she's doing just what I did. So, you know, those traits uh, pass on. But he he was very artistic all through school, all through uh, elementary Grade school, everything, and then he went on to get an art degree at Oberlin, and he uh, he had some fantastic art uh, projects that he he did himself, uh, and one of them was called the Art Collective, and he also majored in computer science or something with coding. Uh-huh. And so he he uh, always had the internet involved because he was kind of on the cusp. He's thirty six right now, so he was on the cusp of all that uh, right when it was beginning. So he and um, a friend of his at Oberlin started this art collective, and what it was was uh, he. I don't know how people found out about it. Just he's connected uh, on the web, but they would send uh, envelopes and. No, I'm sorry. It was called um, Envelope Collective. They would send envelopes uh, all decorated with his address on it, and it would come to the post office. And a lot of them also, that was the rule that the outside had to be artsy and decorated, and a lot of them did include art on the inside. But uh, the, <laughs> the post office people just loved it because they would get maybe 10 a day and they'd all gather around and, and read it. Of course, they couldn't open it, but, you know, all the art was on the outside. And he got hundreds and hundreds of them. So what he would do, he would scan it in the, into the computer and then put it on a website and do a little description. And now they're up in my attic right now. Oh, that's um, cool. There, there may be a thousand pieces now. And what I would love to do is uh, find somewhere to have an opening for that because it's just such a great idea. Um, And he got some fantastic, fantastic artwork. And some of them, I remember one was from a father and son, and they sent many, many submissions. Uh, So, yeah, that that was really cool. So that was just one of the things that he came up with. Another one, and this has to do with children, uh, because his, his goal really, right now even, is to foster young people to do art. And what he would do on this one, and it was also web-based, web is that he would have children send to him their drawings. They'd scan it in or take a picture and send it to him. And just these very elementary style of, of drawings. And then he would take it and then do his spin on it. And then back to back to them. And uh, that was that was a really fun project, too. And the kids absolutely loved it because he would hear from the parents and they were just so excited that their their artwork was being turned into something. And uh, so I I will send you those links.
0: Yeah, Um, that would be great. We can put them in the show notes and people could look and see. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. So that's that's thing, And I hope they're still up. You know, after all these years, so I told him he should uh, start that up again. So, and he, he may, but anyway, so it was. Or make a book out of it or something, right? That's a good idea. Yeah, that is a good idea. Huh. Especially uh, a thousand pieces. Wow, that's a lot. That's very I, cool. Yeah, it's great. So he was he was easy to uh, have continue on, and he was inspired by. His surroundings and just, I think, what I did, too. Um, and, you know, I just gave free reign. And my other two boys are creative in other ways. Uh, one writes very well, and then one is um, good in sports. <laughs> so uh, I don't know uh, as artistic as that is, but they all they all have a way to express themselves, which is important, even if it's not art.
0: Yes. And there's so many different ways to art. Right, you can use that as a, as a verb. I was talking to Kirsten about that as well, and I've talked about it on the podcast. Like, even you know, somebody who is a mathematician, what they're doing is art, right? It's they're taking it to another level. Yes. And as far as with sports, it's like it's, that's um, a, a lot of create creative problem solving in sports, right? That you have to be thinking on on the on the move, so to say, right? And yes. um, Try to figure out how you're going to do things. That's all creative. You're developing it out of nothing, right? Just your own, you know, mind and and body,
1: really. Well, and so many people, I think that when we say art, they think of something tangible that you actually see, like you know, like this, just right in front of you. Right. But, but it's it's poetry reading and and writing and so so many.
0: Music and dance, things that that can that are more spontaneous, that can't be really reproduced, right?
1: Yeah, and it's uh, something that we just express, or or someone singing, you know that that's a true art form too. So there's there's many ways, and I just think it's important for everyone to find that in themselves because uh, it's, I think it's important. And sometimes I get kind of bogged down in, Oh, I'm doing this crafty thing and I'm hand-dying yarn that people don't really need, you know, <laughs> sometimes I feel a little guilty about it. Cause I'm just, you know, adding to the, the stream of, of goods. But then you think back on the Egyptians and the Romans and just all these, you know, Way, way back, how people created things, and we still have that, and we treasure it. So, not that my yarn will be treasured in 300 years, but... You, you never know. know. Somebody may,
0: you know, it may uh, turn up somewhere, right? In in a time
1: capsule or something like that. Makes me, makes me think that, okay, it is good to express yourself and have something that may last a long time. So... You know, because we do appreciate going to museums and and seeing that. Um, I just saw last week um, the Van Gogh immersion experience, and I absolutely loved it. And not as not so much of just I mean I'm a fan of Van Gogh anyway, but just it. it I was almost crying. I just got so taken by it. You know, just stood there and, and watched the movement on. Uh, it's all movement and music. Yeah. Um, We're going and um,
0: after Christmas. We got tickets for after Christmas. I can't wait to go for that, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's really special. And um, I actually found the music. And it's, it's nice listening to it without the visuals, just because when it's like hearing a movie soundtrack while you're watching the movie, it just blends so well that you don't really notice the music as much you know but then when you listen to it it's I didn't know that song was in that movie um and the same here and and it was all uh, I'm not sure if it was all uh original music for it uh it might have been but uh whatever it was just very very interesting and I like listening to it just on its own yeah and I think that
0: um it's really important for kids to have those kind of experiences, whether it's going to a museum, going, uh, you, you were talking about, you know, working in the gardens, you know, get doing things with your hands. And the more experiences that children have, the more open that they're going to be, the more they're going to see more things, maybe meet more people that are doing interesting work as well. Does that make sense to you? Yeah.
1: Right, and we live in such a great area with all the free museums that we have that we can take children to, but even you could live in Nebraska, you know, out in the country, and you'll still have some beauty around you uh, as long as you open your children's eyes to accepting what's around them. And I grew up in South Dakota where – I couldn't wait to leave, but looking back, it was a beautiful place to grow up. And it's like the opposite here with all the trees and the greenery and uh, total change of seasons. Um, And I don't want to go back there, but you know, looking back, it it was a beauty in its own way. Um, And that's where I learned to be an artist. So I have have to give it some credit. Right. And I do think that observation is
0: one of the the biggest parts of being being able to take your creativity into an artistic realm. You have to be able to really take the time to observe
1: around you, right? Right. And I think... I think we do for sure. I mean, I don't take where I live for granted because it's so beautiful and it's always changing. You know, I look out right now and my uh, Japanese maple is the deepest red uh, and you know, it won't be next week. So, and just the morning light looks so different than the evening light. So, uh, but, uh, and I'm out in it every day. I mean, I hike or bike or walk or garden or something every day, even in, horrible weather like today I think it's pretty I'm not a fan of wind so uh but I you know do get out there and just do something just to to be out there so um if you
0: could give us maybe an idea of an activity that worked really well with your boys um that you think would be helpful for young parents um developing and fostering creativity in their kids
1: well, I mean, this is kind of a general thing. I, 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 while I'm talking, I'll try to think of something else. But one thing that we did do uh, when the kids got off school, I have three boys and they uh, were many spread apart, different ages. But I would, they'd get off the bus and I'd have a little snack ready and uh, drinks. And I'd load them into the car and we'd drive up to the top of Sugarloaf Mountain where there's picnic tables. And, I'd have them run around a little bit, look at the view. Let's do your homework. When you get your homework done, you can climb those rocks over there. Uh, That was, I don't know if that was fostering creativity, but they were able to get their homework done easier, I think. And not that we did that every day, but every once in a while, uh, we did that. Uh, Another thing that we did do was I would just put a lot of art supplies right on the table and colors and pencils and paints and all kinds of things and uh, cover the table with a uh, newspaper or whatever and put paper down and they would just go to it and uh, you know that was that was really fun for them and, uh, and being allowed to make a mess and it was okay
0: and right. then also that you you were there but they had free reign to do what they wanted to do
1: Right, and they were next to each other, so maybe they were comparing. I don't know. Um, they, I don't think they really fought much, but <laughs> maybe that's just me glossing it over. I don't know. Um, but another thing, too, is um, I wasn't much of a cook back then just because uh, it was kind of hard just to, you know, keep food <laughs> for them. But yeah, With three growing boys. You know, cooking wasn't my forte, uh, but baking was. And I really like to bake. So uh, we would bake cookies and cakes and uh, things like that. And so that was kind of fun, you know, another, another way. And one of my sons is a chef. So um, I wish he would have cooked while he was growing <laughs> I could have used that because Darnie's a good cook now. Um, so I could have used that help, but, you know, maybe just some of that inspired him to go on and, and, you know, learn and love cooking. So, uh, you know, they all have their all have their strengths, right?
0: Yeah, and just being able to to observe what those strengths are and to give them ways to, you know, develop more of that.
1: Right. Oh, and the other thing that they did was, since I've been doing this business for so long, and actually I had other businesses too. I, I had an herb business and a landscaping business landscape design. Um, so they they would be right there with me in whatever I was doing. Uh, and with the yarn business, I think I've been doing this about 35 years now, um, they would help me in the studio. They'd come to shows with me. Um, they would do the math, since I'm not so good at it. Uh, they would help me set up. And then when they went away to college, they asked if they could set up a booth um, at the – and my one son went to Montana uh, Missoula and he would get up early in the morning on Saturday morning. And, uh, if you got there early, then you were guaranteed a spot. It was $15 for a space. And we bought an umbrella table and, uh, he, I sent him yarn and he would go set up and I could always tell when the market was going on. Cause he would call me and he said, what size needles does this yarn take? And, um, you know, so he could keep all the money. Uh, You know, I didn't ask for any of the profits. So, you know, there was a little spending money for him. And then at Oberlin, they had a a knitting club and Garrett would go there and just uh, take my yarn and dump it on the middle of the floor and start selling, you know, that, you know, they, they did a whole lot of that, but they asked to do that. So, uh, I thought that was that was a, a way to you know keep the business going, and they I think they really liked it, and they they still do. None of them knit. Um, I, the one that wanted to learn is left-handed, and I just could not do it. I, I just it w- was impossible. So uh, he hasn't wanted you know to continue uh, to learn to try to learn, but uh, they they know the value of, of the yarn though they can. Yeah. They can t- good yarn and and good knitted items so
0: that's cool great. Well, now there's youtube so if he really wanted to do it he could learn from youtube
1: right yeah
0: <laughs> someone better than me that could
1: teach left-handed
0: exactly well they sounds like they sound like they grew up to be really great guys
1: yeah they're they're my good friends too so they have my so yeah i'm proud of them and i'm lucky that um I'm lucky that they turned out the way they did, but again, that, you know, the creativity helps foster that too, because they always have something to lean on, you know, that they, if they get sad or depressed or, you know, whatever, just reach for those pens or colors or whatever. Um, That's a really good point. Yeah.
0: Get to it. I just, yeah. I have one last question because you were saying that your granddaughter is now doing the same thing with her tongue and laying on the floor and drawing. Um, did Was your mother creative? Like, is it, it, is it like, both like a family of creative people? No.
1: Passing it down. She was, she just had too much on her plate. She was real young, like a teenager. And she had four kids by the time she was 26. So I think her hands were full in that respect. But when, whenever she did sit down to do something, like she did a painting, I mean, the first one she did was just right. It was just, you know, the people and the boat and everything it was just in perspective and just right. She had no training, but she obviously had some innate sense of it, too. Um, and she would like to craft, you know, but she really never, never did it. Um, my grandmother was a crocheter and she just crocheted all of the time. Um, but other than that, no one in my family was, was art, artists or artistic that I know of. So but but
0: at the same time they were making things. And yeah. that, that and that that those were the values that were um, transferred into your
1: passed down generation to generation. And my other grandmother was a gardener and I do like to garden and I was out there gardening with her not that I knew much about it but I I appreciated it and then you know sometimes you don't know what really is going to stay with you and sometimes I think you know the kids would be out weeding the garden and they it was a chore and they didn't want to do it Uh, but now guess what they all have gardens (laughs) so you know I, I think those little things even though they don't like what they're doing at the time and I'm making them do something, but it stays with them and it, it can come up in, you know, 20 years later. And I think it's the same thing with art, um, that maybe they've done something, you know, when they were in first or second grade and then they find the joy of it again when they're 35 uh, and they haven't done anything in all those years. So I think it's, It's important that anybody can pick it up at any time. Well, that's a great note to end on. So thank
0: you so much for joining me today. Yes, thank you. Always fun to talk to you. So that was a great conversation, I think. I know I learned a lot from Dallas. Um, And so here we are at our creative exercise for this time. And it's create in a series. And you know Dallas was talking about her son Garrett's projects. Um, and you know it shows just how powerful a series can be and how much it can you know change the people and places around you as well. So think about doing something in a series in this next couple of weeks. So if you've been creating photographs um, since as part of your exercises, Um, Pick a subject or pick a color or pick pick one of the things that that you're really drawn to and then look for those images, like whether there may be doors or maybe fences or flowers or maybe um, your family. You know, think about those posed images that people take year after year. You know, they have the ones when they were, um, you know, a, a not toddlers necessarily, but like, you know, a young, young kids in the family and then they've taken the same photograph over and over again. And now they're in their 40s or 50s and they're kind of fun and very interesting. Um, so think about doing something like that. Or if you're working with writing, you can pick a theme like memories of holidays or poems about a certain theme or subject. If you're drawing or painting, again, take a subject and make images that may show different viewpoints of that. Um, that image, like with the idea of a vase, you know, you can look at a vase, you know, from the front, from the back, from underneath, from on top, you know, various viewpoints like that. And if you're stitching, you would have to think of of doing, making and remaking smaller projects where you can try out color or texture or stitch, or it could even be, um, you know, stripes within a shawl or something where you're trying out different colors and textures and stitches um, but in working in a series on that project so as always let me know how the exercises are going you can always send me an email or you can messenger me on facebook or instagram of course you can leave a voicemail on anchor where this podcast lives and um Remember, you can find the links to Garrett's projects and Dallas's contact information in the show notes. If you're watching on YouTube or Vimeo, the uh, links are right there for you. Um, And uh, Dallas is at uh, at Dancing Leaf Farm or www.dancingleaffarm.com. So until I see you in person or virtually or here on the podcast, happy making. Well, that's this episode of the Flying Goat Farm podcast. If you enjoyed it, please consider leaving a review. Have a question you'd like me to answer? Send an email to goatherd at flyinggoatfarm.com. And to see our farm and yarn and roving, check out our website at flyinggoatfarm.com. Follow me at Flying Goat Farm on Facebook and Instagram, and I'm Goatherd on Ravelry. Until next time, happy making.